0: on my star
1: Coming up on first course verse Yes, we are trying to tackle an early 90s year in one episode. Yes, we are insane. <sighs> <laughs> That's next.
0: Marie,
2: you're my star Stand on ground about her
1: Welcome to episode 85 of Verse Chorus Verse. I am DL, and with me is evil midlife crisis, Jimmy. Excellent. Have you gone through a midlife <laughs> crisis yet?
0: Uh, I started it at about 16, I think. <laughs> is that implying I'm living to 64? Because that'll change things.
1: What age do you want to
0: live to? Boy. Boy. Let's get into the deep questions today on verse. I, Horse, think, Horse. I think that depends on how viable my mortal coil is late into life. That's deep. If I'm a decrepit 60, I don't want to live much longer than that. But, yeah. you know, I veered into the, the whole fitness world in my mid 30s. And so hopefully that'll, uh, that'll help out with that. So let's
1: say a ripe old age of 111. Jesus. Wow. Yeah. It's hard now because kids, because back in the day, it's like, I don't want to live past 60. Yeah, right. Things start getting complicated. Yes. And, but then you have kids and you're like, mm. shit, I want to see them do things. Right. And, eh, it's bullshit. Um, anyway, so <laughs> you're going to help me out here because for a few weeks now, I've been doing the TikTok content where every day I do a 10 second album review. Right. But it's actually not that simple. For any of you that don't know or that for any of you, I'm sure that most of the people that listen to this podcast, from the feedback that I get and the people that it seems like listen, you're around our age, you don't get on TikTok. But hey, if you want to make it, you got to do everything you can. <laughs> and there is a book by Robert Dimery called 1001 Albums to Hear Before You Die. So I'm just going off that list. I'm randomly picking... I'm having like a Google number randomizer, just pick one every morning. And then what I'm doing is, then I'm on my morning jog, I'm listening to that album once through and then just giving a 10 second here's what I think about this album, goodbye. But I'm kind of using it because COVID and everything just completely, I've always had a massive problem with weight, with maintaining exercise goals, all that sort of thing. But you train people for that at times <laughs> or have been known to, yes, correct? Yes. I'm kind of using it as motivation to force myself to do my morning. I still want to do my night workouts. And, sure. and actually, now that my daughter is deep into gymnastics, I have her work me out or do yoga or stuff at night and she kicks my fucking ass. <laughs> Good. It's embarrassing.
0: That's an interesting point that you bring up motivation because I became a professional in the fitness industry in 2013. Up until that point, I had trained on and off, mostly on, through most of my life. And the one thing that I was very surprised at making the move into actually working with and coaching other people is how much human psychology is involved in the profession of being a strength coach or a personal trainer. Motivation is like the, one of the hardest things. Absolutely. And self-motivation is, I mean, more power to you for finding a way to work at it and keep, keep the ball rolling.
1: I'm going to let people kind of go on that trip with me. And every morning I'm going to do my, my morning miles and I'm going to do the review. And then every time that you and I have a podcast together, I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to make you give me like one small tip to help me, oh. help me keep going. Okay. What's one of the number one, cause I've trained for a lot, I used to be a marathon runner and I, I would run sub three hours. Like I used to be in very, very good shape. I'm in okay shape, but way, way bad compared to how I used to be. But I'm gonna get there, goddamn it. <laughs> so Evil, if you were my trainer, what's like one of the number one basic golden rules that you tell anybody that's just trying to get healthy?
0: Okay, out of the gate. Number one, by far, is focus on your sleep patterns. That is number one. If you're you're underslept, everything else gets wonky. It it changes your motivations. It changes your food cravings. It changes your mood. It changes your cognitive abilities. Everything, all of your
1: biological rhythms get thrown out of whack. So sleep is number one. That's awesome advice because I have terrible sleep patterns. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'll go through weeks where i'll sleep great i'll sleep seven to eight hours a night but then i also have weeks where i'll just wake up no question at like 2 a.m wide awake yeah for hours i appreciate it so everybody i'm gonna try to get healthier i mean i'm not gonna go crazy you know i'm still gonna eat shit like once a week and you gotta have your cheat meal (laughs) you gotta have a cocktail every once in a while uh
0: splurge meal this is one of the tricks i use if it's a cheat meal in your head, you did something wrong.
1: Oh. when
0: people do something wrong, they're like, ah well, fuck it. I just can't do it. I, you know but if you treat it as like a reward, it hijacks your your motivational system. So I, I always say splurge.
1: Psychology, just changing one word and it completely changes the whole thought for that. Yep. See, I got two for the price of one tonight. Thank you, Evil. <laughs> so yeah, everybody just come on the trip with me. And even if you hate TikTok, just, you can go on it. It's literally 10 second reviews. It's pretty fun. I have fun making them. My very first one that I randomly got was Led Zeppelin 2. Oh, <laughs> Easy. <laughs> it's like right out the gate, <laughs> right out the gate. What are we doing tonight? Evil. We do our year dissections. Mm. We've done enough now to where I've gotten to where I kind of mathematically figure it out, which years have the biggest space in between them, and then just go right there. And this one landed on a an era I was terrified of, and we are doing 1992. Ugh, yep. Shooting the gap. I hear that the music was pretty good at that point. Evil,
0: how old were you? Ugh. Second half of my sophomore and first half of my junior year of high school. It would have been 15 turning 16. All of your emotions. Oh, dude. Dude.
1: Yes. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Amazingly. Yes.
1: When I first looked at 92, it seemed like maybe a little bit of an in-betweener year. Mm. You know, all the big, obviously there's 91, which is right. one right. of, if not the biggest year in the history of music. 93 is also gargantuan. Yeah. But then I looked at my vinyl collection. There's a lot more gold in these hills than I thought right when I first looked. It's an incredibly diverse set of
0: albums that we've been sinking our teeth into.
1: I think that we are going to talk about hip-hop way more this year than we ever have. Let's get to that. Before we do, we got to talk about the most important part of the night. What are we drinking tonight? I'm gonna go first. I'm a little bit boring. I tied one on last night. I I went with my uncle to the Aladdin in Portland to see the Crash Dust Dummies, which is one of my all-time favorite bands. Member Berries and Nostalgia Nuggets dripping off the walls in that place. Had a few too many whiskeys, but it was definitely worth it. So what I'm drinking is I'm just drinking... I got this pre-made lemonade, simple syrup stuff, and I just mm. mixed that in my uh, soda streams. You make your own soda water. I just yeah, mix those yeah. and then put vodka mm-hmm. in it because uh, it's also hot here. And uh, it's really fucking nice. good. Refreshing. Yeah. Soda water, vodka, and some lemonade-y sort of stuff. It's hard to go wrong with that. It is. I've gotten a little bit lazy with the drinks, Evil. <laughs> we, we used to be <laughs> That's s- Rachel rubbing so off fancy. on you. What's <laughs> yeah. in the fridge? <laughs> no Otter pops yet. Whipped
0: cream, Tabasco sauce, and <laughs> some clam juice. All right. Mm. Here we go.
1: Throw some booze in it. Good, good enough. Throw some Malibu in there. You're good to go. <laughs> Evil, what are you drinking?
0: I've got uh, some whiskey, uh, Michter's American, possibly my favorite uh, whiskey. I was cramming for this right up until I stopped to mix the actual drink that I made, which is uh, a drink I'm trying to estimate the recipe of. So there is a tremendously amazing Mexican restaurant in Caldwell, Idaho, of all places, called Amano. It might be the best Mexican restaurant in the state. Isn't there a really big Hispanic community in Caldwell? There is. Huge. And, yeah, And the that's... the head chef is from Mexico. He started his career working in a kitchen and just worked his way up. This place is amazing. James Beard nominated. Very, wow. very, very good. We've been there twice. And each time it's been some of the best meals I've ever had. The last time we went was last weekend, and I got an old-fashioned with tequila and mole bitters.
1: Mm, Oh, yes!
0: I ordered it. It was like a $20 drink, so I'm like, this has got some good tequila in it for sure. And I take a sip, and I'm like, ooh, and I hand it over to Megan, and she takes a sip, and she looks at me like, ooh, and I'm like, I got to (laughs) figure out how to make this thing. And uh, midway through the meal, she's like, you've got until Thursday to figure out what tequila to use, because I just ordered some mole (laughs) bitters. And so that's <laughs> what I'm drinking, and it is fantastic. I, it's not quite as good
1: as theirs, but I've, I've got it pretty close. That sounds amazing. No, it's yummy. <sighs> Damn it, Evil. I think we have to go through and do this. I think we have to talk about 1992 now. Okay. <laughs> We're going to take a break, and then we are going to get into the year 1992. We will be right back. 1992 a very interesting year before we get into this we got to do the friendship test evil mm. we got to guess what each other's favorite album of the year is i say that dirt doesn't count we talked about yeah, dirt enough agree. already no spoilers or anything but there were a few albums that we had talked about a lot so i already know how close you are with angel dust by faith no more yep. where i feel like that's cheating <laughs> I am actually going to say "The Chronic" by Dr. Dre. Okay, that's a very good guess. Yeah.
0: What about me? Well, I was going to cheat and say "Sap" by Allison Chains, mm. but we've kind of established that EPs don't count. They don't. Or "Sap" would be my number yeah, one. Yeah, I, I figured it would be. So I win out of the gate. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna go for a sleeper pick. And I'm going to go Bizarre Ride to the Far Side by The Far Side. Mm, yes,
1: we are definitely going to talk about that album. And that is a very good pick. 1992, what was going on? Interesting year geopolitically. Boy, NAFTA, the fair trade, which eliminated a bunch of tariffs and stuff between Canada, Mexico, and the United States. Uh, the Cold War ended. Right, yeah hey we liked the Russians Tear again. Tear down
0: that wall, Mr. Gorbachev. And
1: then by far the biggest story <laughs> in the States was the Rodney King beatings yep. And the riots the, that followed. And the L.A. Yeah. riots. So I guess it's really just one story now, the Rodney King slash L.A. riots, yep. but two very, very important Extremely. Um, historical land points. So if you're trying to remember what was going on back then, that's what was going on. Movies, the top selling movies of 92 were Batman Returns, Home Alone 2, Lost in New York, and Lethal Weapon 3. Mm. Evil, when was the last time you saw Home Alone 2? The second one? Yeah. Ugh. Tim Curry.
0: Oh, yeah.
1: A long time ago.
0: I watched the first one almost every Christmas season, but I don't think I've seen the second one for...
1: Watch the second one again and look at it through the eyes of Kevin McAllister being the villain. (laughs) Okay. I've heard this take before. Yeah. It totally works. It works, especially because everybody loves Tim Curry. Right. Love it. I'll, I'll do that for sure. And then Lethal Weapon 3, my hot take, best Lethal Weapon. You might, oh man, that's, you don't want to beat me to up to be that? continued. No, okay. no, no, no. That could be, that might be, that
0: could be the case.
1: It could be. So
0: we started this weird tradition a couple of years ago. We were watching Christmas movies mm-hmm. and I'm like, we should watch Die Hard. Megan was like, what? And then she looks it up and she's like, we should watch Die Hard. Yeah. And we watched Die Hard and she fucking loved it. I mean, And I'm like, what? It's Die Hard. This past Christmas, we watched um, Lethal Weapon, the first one, mm-hmm. and then Beverly Hills Cop, because why not? And mm. so 80s action movies are now one of our Christmas traditions, and we're just going to work our way through through the catalogs and so we'll get the yeah yeah yeah
1: what's this year i think you should watch predator (laughs) (sighs) that because you got to watch prey evil i know uh, (laughs) in terms of like tying it to christmas i don't. that might be a hard sell but i'll see if i can make it work i don't think she'll like jesse the body ventura in that the top 10 billboard songs for 92 gonna lead to some interesting conversations i think uh, not all released in 92. Some of them were number 10, just another day by John Sakata, which I remember all for love by color me bad. <laughs> Whenever I need to go to proof that I had terrible fucking taste in music as a child, <laughs> I always go to color me bad under the bridge by the chili peppers. Yeah. Uh, My Lovin'" by N Vogue, which I think we'll talk about tears in heaven by Eric Clapton. Yeah. Baby, baby, baby by TLC. Save the best for last by Vanessa Williams. Jump by Chris Cross. Evil, did you ever wear your pants backwards? Not on purpose. (laughs) (laughs) Baby got back by Sir Mix A Lot. Yeah, possibly like most popular song of all time. Nobody doesn't know that. And then number one is End of the Road by Boys to Men. This is an interesting mix, and it's not all terrible, (laughs) but. (laughs)
0: There's some terrible
1: in there. Man, but. but you look at the music
0: that came out that right. year. Well, you know, that makes me think of when we did 1969 and when I looked at the charts for that year. I'm like, I don't know any of this bullshit. It's kind no. of the same thing. Yeah.
1: Now we got to talk about 1992. No, oh, is that all? Do you remember the BMG CD packages? Oh, yeah. Are Were they course. like here's 20 CDs
0: yeah. uh, for and free. Columbia house too. I was a member of both of those. Like sit here, send in a penny and we'll send you all these albums and then we'll own you for the rest of your life because you're going to forget to send in the things you're supposed to, and we'll send you stuff and you'll have to owe late fees. Yeah. And yeah, that's how I built my CD collection. Me too.
1: Yep. <laughs> and they never got more than that penny from me. <laughs> <laughs> um, that was a very funny, oh, this was the thing in 92 sort of thing to come across. Mm-hmm. That got me into a rush. So good job, BMG. Oh, nice. Yeah. This is going to be my initial take. The music was fucking amazing. This was a, an amazing time for music. And we had gone through 89, 90, 91 of just defining all these new musical messiahs and being able to feel out who the new brilliance was coming from mm-hmm. this seemed like an in-between year because it was kind of a this is when elitists started popping out again. Ooh, how so? I'm this is I'm curious about this. So, a lot of people say grunge saved rock and roll from hair metal. Thank god for appetite for destruction and nevermind and facelift or we would have just had Poison and late 80s Motley Crue for ever. <laughs> so they had all this amazing stuff. But then in 92, the example I'm going to use is Stone Temple Pilots. Okay. Stone Temple Pilots come out with Core, which is an amazing album. Mm-hmm. I can see where some people wouldn't love it, but I don't understand those people. Stone Temple Pilots had a reputation for being, quote unquote, fake grunge. Mm. Not real. I see where you're going. I, I You are no yeah. Soundgarden. You are no... Allison Chains, you are no mud honey. You are. Where's your indie label release? Exactly. Yeah. And this was kind of a bad year for it. You know, like the single soundtrack was fucking huge. Yep. You were supposed to like specific things, and you were supposed to think other specific things were stupid. Mm, mm-hmm. This was a really, really big year for that. Okay, that will tie into some things I have to say later. I see where you're going. I should have yep. come up with other bands, for example. Stone Temple Pilots is just the easiest one, and it's it's in my line of vision, so it's super easy. I don't know why. I don't know if it was because of singles, or I don't know if it was because the Seattle Grunge experiment had taken over the world so much. Mm-hmm. It was no longer the Losers Club, right. cl- the club of the people that were rejects or just trying to understand life it was it was now pop culture every kid i knew was wearing like fucking doc martens to school oh completely it was a lifestyle brand for sure that killed a lot of these bands Uh, nirvana has gone on interviews talking about how they did their nirvana unplugged and they saw all these fucking people in the audience that they wrote, rape me about all these mm-hmm. fucking, we were talking about kind of the Woodstock 99 thing where all of a sudden there's these guys at the concerts that are beating the shit out of people and stuff like that. And, and then there's the one other thing that to me killed these people and that's heroin. <laughs> I think later on we're going to do our who won the year 92, the real answer is heroin. Heroin yeah. won 92. All these bands started dying from heroin. It's crazy how, on
0: one hand, pervasive that substance was to these individuals, but how integral it was to the art yeah. of the
1: music. We talked about it. We talked about it a lot in the Dirt
0: yeah. episode. Yeah. I'm having a hard time reconciling those two things because it's undeniable that it influenced this great movement in art, but it also is heroin is very responsible for
1: the personal demise of many of those human beings. 1969 is 1969 might be considered as the biggest year in music. As far as the rock gods that did Woodstock 69 and you know, Janis Joplin. And that was the year that everything came out. Creedence Clearwater, everything came out and Uh, I think this is a big year for that too, but all of those ended immediately because of heroin. Yeah. So good job, heroin. You win. (laughs) Um, initial thoughts on 92 evil.
0: As you did, I started digging in and realizing like, oh, this isn't an in between year. There's a ton of stuff that it was really fun initially. Tons of nostalgia, member berries. I was having a very good time, and then it was because I sort of dug up all of this stuff. Now I've got to really dive in and sort of flesh out my thoughts and how things connect and stuff. And then it was daunting because there was so much to deal with.
1: I think it's easy because the music is so fucking. The albums that came out this year are so good, dude. I know they're so (laughs) good. Crazy. So this is the first time that we struggled with. So at the end of these episodes, if you haven't heard of your dissection yet, which go back and listen to them, we collectively before the episode decide on a top 10 best albums, Mm -hmm. not favorites, best albums. This is the first time that we ever both said, we're going to come at each other with 20, right? Any of the ones that are on both of our lists, That's what's going to make it. It could turn into a month long argument easily and an argument that's not winnable. How are you going to argue angel dust versus chronic? You can't, right. I came at you with one album. Like this has to be like top three
0: and then started talking about things. I'm like, Oh, man <laughs> maybe my favorite my darling isn't even gonna be in the top five i mean it's because there's so much it's good music hard. and it's so much good music across the board from very different musical genres yes i think that's what made it so daunting is like it's not just grunge i'm gonna have to dive into hip-hop i'm gonna have to dive into like indie singer songwriter type stuff i'm gonna have like college rock i'm gonna to dive into
1: yeah. what did your research lead you to when trying to figure out who your brain is breakout album oh. or artist of the year. Was. So, I approached this from a slightly different standpoint
0: because I thought it would make for some interesting conversation. Ooh. Instead of picking like a breakout artist, I picked two artists who if there wasn't so much grunge being pushed on us, mm-hmm. if there was a thinner lineup of that genre, these two might have been in the in the mix. They didn't quite catch the mainstream successes as all of their others. If anyone's like a big fan of grunge, they've heard of the band grunt truck and their album mm-hmm. push came out that year and it's a good album. The second band is called chainsaw kittens and their <laughs> album flipped out in Singapore, which I didn't know you and I had a conversation about this album because it was on a few lists of like, here's one of the best albums you've never heard from the nineties. And I listened to it. And I'm like, you know what? This is good. It's not resonating with me. I was trying to put myself back into the mindset of who I was as a 15, 16 year old kid listening to this music. Would I have been into this album if it was like fed to me through one of the, the ways yeah, I can see how this could have maybe been a thing. Another good example is Screaming Trees, who actually did catch success, a tremendous band. Yes. And honestly, thinking back, would they have been in the same category of these two bands if that single that they had wasn't on the the single's soundtrack. soundtrack. If, yeah,
1: Nearly Lost You wasn't on that soundtrack. It's funny. I talk about this. I did an episode where I talk about Mark Lanigan. And one of the big, big issues that Screaming Trees had with Sweet Oblivion was that it sold terribly because Mm -hmm. everybody bought the single soundtrack instead. Right. People didn't buy Sweet Oblivion. They wanted Nearly Lost You. That was what they wanted. It was on the single's soundtrack where you can also get wood and... State of Love and Trust by Pearl Jam and everybody knows that fucking soundtrack. But the crazier thing too is that Nearly Lost You became the big single song. Mm -hmm. All the other bands had their own thing going on. Right. And Nearly Lost You was kind of the big, this is the single song. They were the only band that didn't get fucking paid.
0: Oh, man.
1: They were a last second their manager was like, there is this soundtrack coming out that has every band in Seattle on it. If you aren't in the soundtrack, you're done. You need to literally run over to that building, give them the tape Ugh. now. And they <laughs> ended up not even getting paid for it. Wow. So yes, Screaming Trees is a really interesting study for this year as to as far as Sweet Oblivion, mm-hmm. why it didn't get as big as the other albums because everybody fucking loved Mark Lanigan.
0: We always talk about like who's the breakout artist of the year. And I think one of the things we need to start factoring in is... If you, you you don't get picked by the industry, you are not going to break out. That's just yeah. how it is. Yeah. This is a good example of that. Like they basically begging to be on this, this soundtrack here, just take our song. It's going to, but was it worth it for them? I don't know. Exactly. I mean, Lanigan move. He went on to have
1: some success with Queens of the Stone Age and stuff, but. And he hated the whole fucking grunge thing anyway. He, yeah. Yeah. He, he just wanted his heroin. That's all, <laughs> That's, that's all he wanted i know that when i try to answer the breakout question i usually do like i think one of my breakouts for 2005 i think it was kelly clarkson yeah was my choice right. and there is no more better example of somebody that the and i'm not saying she's not talented but there is no better example of somebody that was force-fed down yep. america's throats yep. than kelly clarkson they literally had a tv show where they said this is the greatest singer here yeah listen
0: to it mm-hmm.
1: i completely agree but you still have to answer the question though.
0: i thought i was gonna have like some poignant point but apparently you're gonna hold my feet to the fire It's very here. poignant
1: it's poignant but a lot of what we do doesn't make any sense Evil. <laughs> we just do it we rank albums it's honestly okay you're gonna hate this
0: if i had to pick out a breakout artist of the year billy ray cyrus this is the year aching, breaky, breaky heart. It oh, is. God. There you go. This is what you get. What a time to be in country. Put... <laughs>
1: Garth Brooks came out with a not so popular album. The Chase. I think Alan Jackson yeah. was this the Chattanooga? No, what was the Alan Jackson? Chattahoochee. Song? Chattahoochee. Was that ninety two? Garth
0: Brooks also recorded a Christmas album that did very well this year. I think we forget, we sleep on how fucking big Garth Garth Brooks was. Brooks (laughs) was,
1: he was one of the biggest of the big. Yeah. I think he will be talked about a lot more in specific years around. Right. Because he had two albums that were two of the biggest albums in America. And Alan Jackson's Chattahoochee was this year, by the way. It was. A lot about living and a little about love. Yeah. Oh, man. It's okay. Someday you'll like country as much as me.
0: You know, okay, back then, and this is going to come up more in this episode, I had much broader musical tastes, and there was a period Mm. of time where I listened to some country music, and I chewed Copenhagen, and I smoked cigarettes.
1: (laughs) Good for (laughs) you. All of that was fucking Um,
0: terrible. I learned all those lessons. I don't do any of that anymore, and I'm a better person
1: for it. Me too. Me too. I was still young enough at this point to where I was listening to a lot of Top 40. Sure, me too. All that stuff on the... uh, I loved En Vogue. Yeah. That album that came out this year... Huge. I think it might have been on both of our Top 20s.
0: It was. That was one of the albums that when we sent each other our list of 20 albums, it was on both of ours.
1: It didn't end up making it in our top list, but Funky Divas by En Vogue... With fucking free your mind, yeah, that's one of the dude. That's one of the best written songs ever, yep. man. That song rocks so hard. The vocal harmonies and stuff—that was some genius, genius music. Great pop music. My lovin', yeah, yep. that's that album's fantastic. It really is. Mm-hmm. And then everybody was listening to Baby Got Back. Of Um, course, did you listen to the rest of that album? No, it's actually pretty good. He's a. It really is. (laughs) It is good. He remains a very big deal in Washington. He's from Tacoma. I believe it. Yeah, yeah. He remains a huge deal. And then Boys to Men too. I loved Boys to Men. We've talked about Boys to Men on the podcast. I don't think that I've asked you. Have you and I talked about Eric Clapton unplugged? No, because that Tears in Heaven was really big. Right. Um I think it's the that's,
0: acoustic version of Layla, that's also
1: That got so much playtime for me it like was in huge. the time in yeah. ninety two mm-hmm. and I listened yep. to the whole before you accuse me and the whole reason that a guy learns how to play acoustic guitars chicks. <laughs> <laughs> but then you get into this sort of shit you get into like junior high and stuff and the only song girls want you to play is tears in heaven and it's this vicious mm-hmm. it's karma this is what happens fine you you want to play acoustic guitars to get chicks well you have to play tears in heaven <laughs> it's like, oh, jesus christ my breakout artist it's honest question does dr drake count It's his debut album. I I know that that's kind of cheating. Yeah, totally is cheating.
0: I hate (laughs) you, but...
1: (laughs) He's been huge forever. That's my pick. It's got to be Dre. Because he's... Is he the biggest name in hip-hop ever?
0: Man, I I mean, if if you say yes, then someone's going to debate yeah. or come yeah do worse to you but he's in the argument for sure
1: yeah and i'm not saying best rapper i'm not saying best no, producer but in, but in terms of
0: the whole package
1: having his hands in right. anything that has right. been top 10 for 40 years since N.W.A.
0: Yeah. let's list them off <laughs> snoop Dogg, eminem 50 cent
1: everybody that eminem brought was he didn't bring Dr. tupac Dre. but
0: he worked with tupac i mean come on yeah
1: i mean he kind of will that get me in trouble too? If I did, cause he kind of did bring Tupac. Tupac was not, I don't think Tupac would have been as mainstream as he got. If it wasn't for California,
0: you can make a good argument for that for sure.
1: Well, that's my answer. <laughs> uh, it's Dr. Dre. We can talk a little bit about this. Now the breakout genre could just be rap. Yeah. The rap and the hip hop that was starting. You had Dre, you had Farside, which we'll talk about, which is an album. Bizarre Ride 2 I didn't even know about until this year. We're doing the so I had to research it, and I bought the vinyl immediately. I was Mm -hmm. I I can't remember the last time that I fell in love with an album that hard. That album is so fucking good. It is. And you you had said before in the episode that kind of what rejuvenated you into even studying for this was hip hop,
0: right? Yeah, completely was. (laughs) The Predator was the album that did it. it. Was Ice Cube. And I realized, God, I like Jesus Christ, Ice Cube was a bad ass back then. He has a huge career. He's done movies, you know. He's done music since then. But I sort of picture him as like the actor version of himself now versus what he was. And dude, he was he was legit. holy angry black man energy. It was yes. amazing. Like that guy was. Fi- he might be okay. He might be my favorite rapper. That era of him, NWA, yeah. up through the Predator, he might be my favorite rapper.
1: I wouldn't contest that. Like, I wouldn't think that's lame. You know what I mean? Yeah. If somebody came to me and said Ice Cube is their favorite rapper, I that's badass. Yeah. Today was a good day was... Dude. That song was played on MTV. I remember oh, yeah. that video now. Oh, yeah. The
0: slower stuff. Other people did better than him. The fast-paced, angry the rap. Dude, yeah. I mean, I went back and listened to a whole bunch of Ice Cube which kind of got me back into the groove for this year. I listened to some NWA stuff, uh, skimmed through a bunch of his solo career stuff up through the Predator mm-hmm. and and I'm like, he's my favorite, man. At least right now. He's amazing. Yeah.
1: If you bought that album because of Today is a Good Day, Today was a Good Day, you might be disappointed because the album is way heavier than that song. <laughs> it's way he- it's, I think I it's said to you, he's like the up, heavy metal
0: version of rap. The like, only other
1: album that I think would come close to that that also came out this year is Body Count yeah. with the Cop Killer Ice-T right. album.
0: More metal crossover, like rap metal crossover. Mecca and the Soul Brother by Pete Rock and CL Smooth. Which I hadn't heard until you told me to listen to, and it's awesome. It is not the same thing as The Chronic, but in terms of production value, it's on the same level. What the album by Redman? Yeah,
1: that's awesome too.
0: I was like shocked. I'd never heard it before. It's amazing. That album is fantastic. This was
1: the point in time where anybody that was associated with Wu Tang Clan was—they were all just so fucking. Yeah. This was the same time that like a tribe called Quest De La Soul. You had jazz hip-hop, yeah. you had gangster rap, you had... Everything was so good and there was so much of it. and So good. Uh, yeah, that Redman album is fucking awesome.
0: And then on the more social conscience side of things... Color Me Bad. You have Arrested Development. <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh arrested <laughs> arrested development uh three years five months and two days in the life of spectacular mr wendell i remember tennessee tennessee i remember that album being huge back then i remember the beginning of that song still yeah.
1: horseshoes <laughs> fuck you talk though that album was fantastic they were just talking about a completely different thing than the west coast stuff yeah and the Dre's and the snoop dog and guns versus brains i guess yeah and guns Became much more popular because we're in America, goddammit. <laughs>
0: <laughs> the Beastie Boys album from this year is a it monster. Is.
1: I didn't even have it on my top 20 because I think it's maybe their fifth best album. <laughs> there will be some Beastie Boys talk for me later on down the line. Okay, good, good. Height of Power. Who do you think was at the primo height of their power?
0: In January of this year is when Nevermind hit number one. Wow. And that, I think, set the tone for the next two to three years of music. So for me, it's Nirvana for sure.
1: That's the right answer. I didn't even realize that. My answer was Alice in Chains for basically Mm. the same Mm. reason. The other one that I said, and I'm kind of half saying this because I want to hear listeners argue. (laughs) I said REM. Uh, That's for them. Yeah. Automatic for the People was huge. Huge, yeah. Man on the moon ended up being right. Used for Carrie used it for the Kaufman. Yep. REM kind of had a that's a good answer. Stint, but I Automatic for the People is the I think one of the first REM albums that people think of when they think of REM. Yeah, probably REM. I love you. If I had to hear Everybody Hurts one more fucking time, because <laughs> I, I love REM, but I hate that fucking song so much. I hate Everybody Hurts. <laughs> See who writes in about that. Evil. What music has Aged well and what has aged Poorly I'm gonna go first
0: Yeah go first I,
1: (laughs) I have a few I have thoughts one album That I loved back in the day did not age well for a few reasons. Do you remember Pat from Saturday Night Live? It's Pat. <laughs> yeah. So that didn't age well, right? Is right. it a guy? Is it a girl? Yeah. There is no worse character you could possibly come out with that would not oh, be good Jesus. for this season.
0: I didn't think about that. Oh my God.
1: Pat did a skit at the beginning yeah. of Hate everything. everything About You by <laughs> Ugly Kid Show. which... I fucking loved that album. Yeah, me too. The very first song on it is about a guy that goes insane and shoots up Disneyland. (laughs) That album, there are few albums we are ever going to do that have aged more poorly than that. (laughs) Oh,
0: man. (laughs) Yeah.
1: So, anyway, Ugly Kid Joe. (laughs) They have not aged very well. Oh, man. We talked a lot about hip hop already. Yeah. There was also the uh, maybe not so hip hop, hip hop. Okay. I liked this album, just like Ugly Kid Joe. Hey, I was listening. I bought this album. I gave them my money. And honestly, I might even get the vinyl because there's a couple songs I fucking love. But House of Pain came out with their first album. Good old Everlast came out with this, which had Jump Around and Top of the Morning this to Ya. Jump Around was this album? Yeah. Jump Around, Top of the Morning to Ya, Shamrocks and Shenanigans. Wow. This was White... Bostonians doing hip hop which is just the biggest middle finger to anybody else in hip hop. <laughs> 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 I think what hasn't aged well is me liking <laughs> that's, what, that's the way I'll put it. That's a good that's yeah. <laughs> I don't think that's aged well. That makes sense. What do you got? Okay. In
0: 1987 there was a band who put out an album that Put them on top of the world. Def Leppard and the album was Hysteria. And it's an amazing album. Yes. Their follow-up
1: came out this year. It did. Adrenalize.
0: Not so much.
1: (laughs) (laughs) No. Funny story. The first thing that I listen to to really start getting ready for the years is I'll go to Spotify and just they have like a year playlist for every year. Yeah. They have like a 93 album release playlist. The Best of Rock 92, the very first song on that playlist is Let's Get Rocked Mm -hmm. by Def Leppard, which is a terrible, terrible fucking song. (laughs) I have to turn that on and then put it on shuffle. So I had to hear the beginning of Let's Get Rocked about 18 times over the last month. Oh, man. It made me really mad.
0: (laughs) (laughs) One other band that put out an album this year who I think they're debut album came out in 90 was slaughter the album with up all night stick it to you which i loved i loved slaughter they put out their second album this year wildlife or wild side or something like that and it was (laughs) that whole era of music was just this was the end yeah there was some collateral damage there was an album put out by another hair metal band who had some really big success and i thought this album was good you can't recover from cherry pie if
1: you're warned (laughs) no (laughs) yeah (laughs) you just can't i was talking about how there are very few things that could have possibly aged as poorly for the days the zeitgeist we are currently in in pat and a song about a guy going on a rampage in in disneyland (laughs) cherry pie is is right there with them yes right
0: that album was huge for Warrant. Mm-hmm. Some interview where Janie Lane was talking about how when they put out Cherry Pie, they didn't want to record that song. That was like an addition to the album that they had recorded.
1: Why didn't they want to and record it?
0: They wanted to steer in towards a more serious sort of like tone gotcha. for their music. Yeah. And if you listen to like Uncle Tom's Cabin and and stuff like that on that previous album, I mean, most of that album is actually like a bit heavier, darker.
1: They were actually, you know, they turned into this because of things like Cherry Pie, they turned into this right. goofy kind of almost like yeah. later year David Lee Roth thing. Yes. But they were like some of their stuff was Skid row almost. Dude, you
0: read my mind because Skid Row somehow was able to transition their career. Yeah. They lived through the hair metal phase, the hair metal hits they had on there, they transitioned into like becoming like a heavier rock band and had good success. I think Warrant could have done that if the label, which was Columbia, interesting. Made them record, they were like, we need a hit song. So they recorded Cherry Pie. That became the album. So Jenny Lane talks in this interview about. How when that previous album came out, they walked into the Columbia like office, and their album is like behind the desk. It's like the big marquee thing. Uh-huh. And then when they came in to promote Dog Eat Dog, which is the album they put out this year, up behind them was Allison Chain's Dirt, mm. and they're they're like, oh, <laughs> 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 and that was the end. <laughs> but honestly, Dog Eat Dog is a it's a good rock album. It just. You can't survive if you're a hair band that recorded Cherry Pie. Yeah. And you definitely can't survive if you were Def Leppard and you did Adrenalize. Yes. In 92, my mom was a bit like a manager of a retail store and I worked in high schools. I do like maintenance work on the weekends. I go like empty bins of hangers and trash and mop the floors and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And I remember being on a break, just sitting outside, just because this was 92 and you don't have phones and internet. So I was just sitting out there enjoying whatever. And this truck, it was like the Marty McFly special truck from back to the future, like a jacked up Toyota was like driving with like the headlights bar over the top and big wheels and it was playing Let's Get Rocked. And I thought in the moment, I'm like, God, that guy's really cool, but he's not going to be for much
1: longer. <laughs> That's fantastic. You blew my mind. I cannot believe that Cherry Pie and Uncle Tom's Cabin came from the same fucking album. Same
0: album. In fact, those I think those tracks are back to back.
1: I always thought that was two completely different. I thought those were like three years apart. Mm-mm. That's fucking insane. This kind of goes along with what we were talking about. What were you listening to at the time? I was into the Top 40 stuff. I listened to a lot of House of Pain. Onyx. You remember Onyx? Yeah, I loved Onyx. The rap group Onyx. Yeah. Fucking listen to them all the fucking time. Yep. What were the compilations that had a bunch of Top 40 hits now yeah, or, yeah. With with Now might have been a little bit later. It's the 90s equivalency of that. Right. But I was also listening to all this shit. I was listening. to I loved Alice in Chains. I loved Stone Temple Pilots. Mm-hmm. Were you still into hair metal or had you transitioned pretty much into grunge?
0: This is kind of the era where I was starting to flirt with heavier music. Okay. Let me list some of the stuff that I was like really into at the time that I thought like this was sort of my music. Two albums really stood out. Like these were albums... That for the first time, I introduced music to my brother. It was Stone Temple Pilots Core and Saigon Kick's The Lizard. Oh, the second band, Saigon Kick, once that brings me to this concept that I don't know if it's really a thing or not, but it has been in my head. Like there was grunge and there was hair metal, but then there was this like in between group of bands that didn't really have a genre that were sort of like alternative rock on the heavier side, not quite metal. That are like this loose confederation of interesting bands that, to your point, didn't suffer from corporate culture takeover of grunge Mm -hmm. like the grunge bands did. I think Red Hot Chili Peppers is in that. Yep. And this, I'm talking like late 80s, early mid 90s. Yeah. Jane's Addiction was in there for me. Living Color was in there for me. Fucking good. Helmet. Yeah, put out an album this they year. sure did. Faith No More put out an album this they year. sure did. Kings X put out an album this they year. did. And then two bands who I'm going to put in this category, but also straddled other categories. Extreme put out Three Sides to Every Story. Sometimes categorized as a hair metal band, which I completely get it. There's total Eddie Van Halen vibes with Nudos playing. But they did way more than that. The grunge band that straddled this with grunge, I think, is Alice in Chains. Yeah. They were the one that fit in with this group more so than the rest of the. I say that because I feel like Alice in Chains was doing something very original, Yeah, as were all of these other bands. And I was very into all of this stuff at the time.
1: Essentially, you were listening to everything. Like, I was listening to your everything. Taste
0: I was, was listening to The Chronic. I was listening to... The whole overs, Uh the Wayne's World soundtrack was huge Fuck, for me.
1: Yes. The movie Wayne's World. Oh, it was enormous. I think I could probably still quote that maybe line for line if I turned oh, yeah. it on the TV.
0: We joke about kids finding Master of Puppets or running up that hill for the first time. You know when that happened before? I do. Bohemian Rhapsody.
1: Absolutely,
0: I legitimately remember listening to the radio, and this girl called in to request Queen's new song, Bohemian Rhapsody, (laughs) 1992.
1: The guy give her shit. (laughs) Yeah, of course he did. (laughs) Good. Now I'm gonna give her. I have two who won 1992s, and you just stole one of mine. So I'll just. I agree. One of mine was Queen in 1992. Suddenly, Mike Myers and Dana Carvey are headbanging to <laughs> Bohemian Rhapsody, and that is now by far Queen's biggest song. Mm-hmm. By far. Because yep. it wasn't before that. It instantly became no. a song that came on to, like, every single fucking night you go to karaoke, every single mm-hmm. person had it. Bohemian Rhapsody is one of the biggest songs of all time because of Wayne's World.
0: There are people who headbang to that today, and they have no fucking idea why they <laughs> headbang to that song.
1: Yeah. What do you listen to more now from that year? Anything different? See, here's the reason why this question kind of sucks for this year. (sighs) There is so much good music that was popular at the time. Yeah. The pop music of that (laughs) era was good, which is so rare.
0: The stuff I listen to more now... Then, then I was going to say helmet, but this isn't fair. I distinctly remember hearing unsung for the very first Mm -hmm. time on the radio, on the fucking radio. This is back when radio is how you heard music. Yeah. And I remember hearing it and being like, what in the hell is that? And then sitting in the car after I was already home with the radio on, just sitting out there listening for the DJ to say who that was. For like three or four songs and they never fucking did that time. I eventually heard
1: it again and figured out who it was. I'm probably a bigger Helmet fan now than I was then. The big ones for me, I didn't find them because of studying for this year, but I remembered and I enjoy them way more now than I did when I was that young. And that is, I'll just give one because the other one I'm going to talk about later, but Dirty by Sonic Youth. Okay. That album is fucking amazing. And to be honest, I've never been a huge, huge, huge Sonic Youth guy sonic youth is w- more one of those things that a lot of the people that i have huge musical respect for love sonic youth my uncle dan i've found more music through him in my life than anybody and he fucking loves sonic youth mm-hmm. so i'm like well they've got to be good then <laughs> right you know what i mean right but the album dirty that came out this year by sonic youth is fucking awesome i've listened to it a ton i'm glad that we did 92 and i kind of rediscovered this album
0: caius I'm going to draw a parallel to, with Mark Lanigan. Like, Screaming Trees plus Caius equals Queens of the Stone, at least early Queens of yeah. the Stone Age. Uh, Caius, I had no idea who Caius was at this point I didn't in time. Either. And also, Sleep was another one. I had no mm. idea who Sleep was not even on my radar at this time.
1: Sleep wasn't on my radar till. Five years ago. Yeah. Those are probably the two who I legitimately just had no clue who they were. Do you have any hidden gems or underrated albums? Uh, Not not ones that I haven't mentioned. The one that I said, as a lot of very, very brilliant things, was not very well reviewed in its time. It was not what the label wanted them to do. It was not something that got good radio play or music videos or anything like that. When it was a time where if they would have come out with what the label wanted them to, they would have been... Huge. Angel Dust. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) They gave Angel Dust to the label (laughs) and the label's like, what? Right. No. What? (laughs) (laughs) And because of that, it it was poorly reviewed. It didn't sell. It didn't sell well. It's faith no more. So eventually, it's such a good band that eventually the fans will eventually win. I'm biased
0: here because for me, Angel Dust was huge at the time. Yeah, but it wasn't.
1: That's the thing. Well, that's because people are fucking stupid. It should have been. <laughs> people are idiots, evil. Yeah. <laughs> um, was there an album while researching, which I think you've already talked about a couple, that you'd never heard that you love now? The the hip hop stuff, the, the Redman album. Oh, hold on. Notes. Hello, where are you? You have like three computers now. Even yeah, busy. no, that's. <laughs> I need to learn how to organize myself a little I bit am better. Still, I'm still doing that. <sighs> yes, I thought that PJ Harvey's career started with "Rid of Me" in '93. I had never heard "Dry." Yeah, I'm with you on this. Jesus fucking Christ, yep. that album is amazing. So good. Holy shit, PJ Harvey, good fucking god that's a good debut album
0: that was another one that was on both of our top 20s that i had never heard it before and that blew me away
1: it took like two songs for me to be like oh holy shit the influence from an album like that would be massive
0: so massive i'm gonna digress briefly that album the Tori amos album Mm -hmm. the in vogue album Mm -hmm. there was a shaka khan album out this year that was fairly big TLC's debut was this year. Yeah. Those female artists would not be viable today. There was something about the broad venue for artists like actual artists, not commodities. Yeah. In pop music. The more I, I kind of explored and and not just the female artists, but just music in general, it struck me when I saw how Broad and diverse, the female artists were this year.
1: That's very true.
0: Today, they would have to be squished into this cookie cutter sort of formulaic commodity to be as popular today as those artists were yes. then.
1: That disgusts me because for for many reasons. There's like three categories. You are either a Nicki Minaj. Yep. You are a girl, like Blackpink. Yep. Or you are a Slater Kinney ish type of of thing. Like indie ish.
0: That's it. it. But those aren't like big on the charts. That's true. I'm I'm talking like top 40 hits. You've got to be like this amalgam kardashian ish thing to be even thought of as a viable pop commodity
1: and if you're a man you just have to be out of your fucking mind (laughs) you have to be batshit crazy right there are very few eras in time where many many different genres were in top 40 Mm -hmm. and the top 40 was good Mm -hmm. the music was actually good and this is one of the two eras where it was yeah. like that. What is your theme song of 1992, Evil? It's changed since we started talking about things. <laughs> I know what I want mine to be, but it's a—it's not. It's not. I would be living a lie if I said... There's one specific song that I wish was my theme song for 92. And I'll get to what that song is in my favorite songs of the year. Okay. But I would be lying to myself. So my theme song... For 1992, was Free Your Mind by Envo. (laughs) There is no song in the world that will take me back to being in the fifth grade out on the playground. Like, it's Free Your Mind. I, okay, you're gonna hate me so much for this. (laughs)
0: Uh oh. I've said this about other years that we've done music breakdowns of, but I absolutely love and adore this era of music. And so I'm gonna pick Whitney Houston's cover of the Dolly Parton classic. I will always love you. I wouldn't because I fucking love this music. I would not hate you at all for that. I know that's one of your, it comes from one of your favorite
1: movies. So, I didn't want to <laughs> That's there we go. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Bodyguard is such a fucking terrible movie. But that soundtrack was everywhere. And that song yeah. was everywhere and it was, yeah. and it was larger than Whitney life is... and she was larger than life. And
0: Whitney's another example. Whitney would at this point be too old to be a viable artist yeah. at the stage. She was in her career in 1992. If you bring her into early 2020s, she would not be a viable artist.
1: It's true. And it's sad. A it's fucking crazy. So I will always love you and, yeah. and uh, free your mind. We, are, <laughs> we surprise ourselves sometimes. What's the worst album of 1992,
0: Evil? I already talked about it. It's that fucking poor Def Leppard. I feel so <laughs> bad for them. But Adrenalize, because it it was actually big at the time. I, I don't want to pick on something that wasn't big at the time. I
1: feel like that's unfair. What has nine arms and sucks, Evil? Def Leppard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There is a band out there that I think is extremely underrated. I have a soft spot for them. I love them. One of the members was probably my first ever crush. And I think they are one of the most influential bands in the world. But 1992's Good Stuff by the Mm. (laughs) B-52s is such a terrible fucking album. It's so bad. I love the B-52s. I love pretty much everything they did before 92 but that is not a good album, B-52s, I'm sorry. They're tin roof rusted, man. We've gotten to the big time, so we need to take a break, we need to get another drink, and then we gotta start ranking some shit. Good luck to us, we'll be right back. Like I said, you already stole one of my Who 192s. You. And you kind of already stole my second Who 192. Hey, we do it to each other many, many times. My Who 192 is Whitney Houston. Oh, wow.
0: I didn't see that coming. I really didn't.
1: She did. I Will Always Love You was everywhere. The Bodyguard was everywhere. She was kind of at the height of her power right before mm-hmm. the very, very sad fall. Whitney Houston was one of the most talented people we've come across. Oh my God. Yes. And this, besides maybe the national anthem, I feel like this was her. I'm here. This is me. That's a good
0: pick. I heard an isolated vocal track of hers one time you know when you have those moments when you like view art or listen to music or something and it, you have a visceral emotional response that is yeah you have no idea where it came from i had that with that she
1: was amazing and oh, i am fuck. sure that we will we'll end up doing an episode about her yeah. uh at some point for sure
0: who who won that is such a hard question because you said heroin and heroin really is the winner here. Yeah. This is a darker answer. Than heroin? Yeah. Wow. The music industry, the corporations 192. Mm. This is the beginning of the end of good music in my mind. Not the beginning of the end of good music period. But in terms of like viable pop success of good music.
1: I agree. For a while there, it seemed like it was just a cycle. There would be brilliant music. People would figure out how to monetize it. It would die. And then 15 years later, the same exact thing would happen. Yeah. We had um, the mid fifties and then we had the late sixties. Yeah. And then we had the years in the seventies and then we had the early nineties. And (laughs) so maybe the cycle's dead. (laughs) Like
0: technology and The way things were siloed and how all the large media conglomerates like glommed up everything. Yeah. All the music stations got gobbled up and then, and then shoveled into some little category, which narrowed their spectrum and bandwidth of what they would play. And the cross pollination of music just stopped.
1: Good news is now there is so much. Accessibility for people to share things. Yes. That, yeah, where in that way it sucks, we are also very spoiled in that. Right. Uh, yeah. Yeah. If I can very easily hear. Some brilliant artist that's in Singapore right now coming out with something. Yeah. In the 90s, we would have never heard that. That's true. I'm all doom and gloom I, it's, with this. But you're right, though. That's right.
0: That's like, And yet today there's more good music available mm-hmm. out there than there
1: has ever been before by an exponential quantity. No, you're right. There's all this good music. I love that we have listeners that write and be like, hey, have you listened to this? Are you going to do this? really great stuff and getting to listen to and stuff. But the bottom line is, is that if you go online, if you go to the radio, if you go what's selling the most, it's Drake, it's fucking Drake. And Drake is terrible music. I don't, it, it is. <laughs> and this isn't like middle-aged white guy. We've just talked about how good the hip hop was from here. Drake sucks. That's the lesson to learn about 1992, Drake sucks. <laughs>
0: what i'm afraid of is that there will never be room for a musical movement ever again i hope you're wrong i do too we are very ingenuitive animals and so if there is a way humans will find it yeah but we're also idiots we're also idiots and (laughs) we're also at war with technology
1: now we get to some rankings each person is going to give their five favorite albums of the year evil what is your fifth favorite album of 1992 god i could have gone with so many different things
0: i went a little bit different with the fifth pick because it was something that i knew of and i knew a couple songs off of but when i listened to the whole album like jesus this is such a good album and it's Black Crows, The Southern Harmony and Musical Companion. That is a
1: really good album.
0: It's so good, man. It was refreshing because I hadn't, I knew like Remedy and some of the the hits off of it. Yeah. So it was refreshing to me, and I'm like, I'm gonna put that on my list just because I feel like we're not gonna talk about it a ton, and I think it deserves some attention.
1: So Counting Crows is one of those bands. To God damn it, I I am just on a roll tonight <laughs> fucking the black faith crows. no longer <laughs> faith no longer uh, epic lead leopard <laughs> fuck uh, i want a lead <laughs> leopard t-shirt <laughs> it'd just be a picture of john bottom drumming one-handed um <laughs> black crows are one of those bands to me i don't own their albums i don't choose to listen to them but they're fucking awesome yeah i didn't have it on my top list you did i'm glad that you did my fifth favorite and i feel like it might be a little controversial because do i think that there are better albums yes absolutely but i love this fucking album i think most people my age do too i even remember going to a concert with you evil and basically Mm. loudly singing probably Mm. about half these songs core by stone temple pilots yeah What an album! So much nostalgia in this album, and fucking Wicked Garden, Wicked. uh, Yes, I'm for this
0: pick. (laughs) I am all about this pick. I was a huge 92 to 96 or seven Stone Mm -hmm. Temple Pilots was my favorite band above Van Halen. They were my favorite band at that point in time. And there's
1: this purple tiny purple
0: dude. Purple. Whenever we talk about 1994, whenever that comes up.
1: Yeah. I will have
0: thoughts on Purple. So I am with you here.
1: I'll go down to my number four, which okay. is a band we haven't talked about. And I was shocked when I saw that this was 92. Because I think of this band and this album in a much later genre. I can't believe this album came out in 92. And I have no idea what your take on this band is. So I'm extremely Ooh. excited to tell you my number four. 40 Ounces to Freedom. Oh, by yeah. By Okay. To me, it is by far their best album really yeah, spoilers for whenever we do a sublime uh-huh. i fucking love 40 ounces of freedom when i realized that that came out in 92 right that's so much different than anything anybody was doing at that time oh my god yes what do you think about 40 ounces of freedom i think it's great
0: i don't put it in this year i'm with you it feels 96 97 exactly. 98 yeah. and so
1: everybody heard of sublime when they came out with their next album yeah and then 40 ounces to freedom got popular right i'm with you there what's your number four
0: my picks are going to be a little boring because we've talked about so
1: many things in the
0: last (laughs) couple hours. but my number four is dirt by allison chains Mm. i felt like cheating but it's so
1: good and these are favorites right if we hadn't done dirt Before this episode, it would be my number one. So I'll I'll just say that. that, That's fair. What's your third favorite album of 1992?
0: My third is The Chronic by Dr. Dre. One of the first hip hop albums I purchased, probably through BMG or Columbia House. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And I honestly think this is the best rap record of all time. That's
1: a bold statement. My third debut album. We've mentioned it, but we haven't talked about it yet. uh, Rage. Rage. It's an insane debut album. It is. There are certain things where you will never be able to go back and experience for the first time. Yeah. And the first time that you hear fucking Tom Morello, (laughs) I feel like everybody went through that part at Rage where they're like, wait, what the what the fuck is that? What? Yeah. Or the or the time where you're like, wait, they don't have a turntable." wait. That's a fucking guitar. That's just an experience. And that's not even mentioning the fact that they were doing something politically that not that nobody had done political music, but not this poignant, but also this angry. Yeah. And it's just a fucking good album, man. Killing in the Name of has been saying forever. Wake Up, which ended up getting bigger later because of The The Matrix.
0: Matrix. It's such a good album.
1: And then we're on my number two. Yep. Which you guessed as my first favorite, and that is Bizarre Ride. Oh, uh, so close! Uh, by Far Side. So we already talked about it. I had never heard it. I listened to it. It's such an insane hip hop album. Production is amazing. I can just picture the recording session of these dudes just bouncing off the fucking walls, having a blast, making this incredible album that just from the very beginning, nonstop punches you in the face.
0: It's so good. I it wasn't on my radar. I think I'd heard a little bit of it, but it wasn't on my radar
1: mm-hmm. at all. And you're like, you need
0: to check out the Farsight album from this year. And I I turn it on. The first song played just a couple of bars. I'm like, oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'm in. I'm all in. I get it. Okay. Fuck. Evil, fine. what's your number two? I think this album is why I'm a metalhead. I had to think about this quite a bit. And I, I remember specific moments of listening to this music and being challenged by it, interested by it. Nothing like I've really been into before in this vein. And it's Megadeth's Countdown to Extinction. Yeah. It was my gateway into being a metalhead. That's awesome. The Black Album had come out. Black, I, this I think is the, more black metal than the Black Album's a rock album. Exactly. Yeah. yeah this is way more uh,
1: metal than the Black Album.
0: Pantera wasn't on my radar yet.
1: It has great tracks it on it. It has great tracks on it. Symphony of Destruction was on my short list of top five songs of the year. Sweating Bullets. Sweating is, is, Bullets is fantastic. Mustaine had figured out what he was yep. doing at that point. Yep. He had his niche, his kind of talky, snarky. Hello, me. It's me again. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love it. Cool shit. But that's not your number one. It's not. You dodged
0: it when you picked... I mean, I wore this on my sleeve from the get-go and it's Faith No More's Angel Dust.
1: What is it about? Cause I love the album, but it's not in I my top. Don't
0: know. <laughs> and here's the thing, is I'm like, I like Faith No More, but I'm not like a huge Faith No More fan. This album I fucking loved when I was a sophomore in high school. Wow. I remember like being like, this is different from everything else. I knew back then that it was genius. It is, and that's fucking genius.
1: It totally is, I, and
0: that's why I'm like people should have known that this was genius back yeah. then. And you're like, but they didn't. And I'm like, <laughs> but they fucking should have. God damn it! I honestly don't know what it is. There's certain art that just has a quality that grabs me, and this album, from start to finish, it's challenging, it's interesting, it is elaborate. There's nothing like it.
1: There's nothing like Faith No More. And there's... No, and no. I agree. There's nothing like this album, too.
0: I like the real thing. It's great. And I like some of their stuff that comes after, but I don't think anything that they've done comes close to this. Wow. That's...
1: Nah, that's crazy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, know. I know. I know. It's a good take, though.
0: <laughs> I know Faith No More <laughs> fans are just, like, gnashing their teeth coming. Well, I
1: think people like that because this was the album that was thrown away by labels and things like that. So I think uh. hardcore... Faith No More fans love this album. Dude,
0: it's so good.
1: My favorite album of the year, not counting Dirt, surprised myself, but going back and listening to it again a ton, particularly this last week, which was I decided it this probably a couple days ago. And actually, one of the things that helped, not helped, but kind of solidified it for me was today. I was on YouTube just dinking around, and I found a video of Rick Beato. Yeah, Rick Beato. Is that how you pronounce his Mm -hmm. name? Rick Beato. Basically fawning for 30 minutes over how insane this album is. Uh, Little Earthquakes by Tori Amos. Mm, mm -hmm. I
0: almost picked that for you. Fuck. I
1: should have. Beginning to end... It is fucking brilliant. Her yeah. vocals, what she's playing, the decisions, the eeriness. I fucking love Tori Amos. And this is... It's not my favorite album of hers, but it is fucking shit. It is such a good album. She just... Yeah, She knocked it, it out of the park. Song after song after song, they're all different. Just fucking good job, Tori Amos. Jeez, I'm crow.
0: <laughs> <laughs> there were certain albums that i knew when we do these episodes one of the first things i do is i go out and i find like top 10 top 20 lists of albums just to kind of be like okay what was released yeah. this year and what should i be putting in consideration for yeah. the best hers and a few other things were on many of the lists where i was just like oh fuck okay fine <laughs> and then i listen to it and i'm like oh i i get it <laughs> I I was that way with R.E.M. I'm like, I fucking hate R.E.M. (laughs) But I'm like, I get it. This album, though, I listened to it. I'm like, this should be. It's not like, I get it. I'll let it be on. It was like, yeah, this should be on there pj harvey album this should be on there those were surprising
1: i'd be hard-pressed to find anybody that listens to little earthquakes and and can't find something they don't like about it It, it's brilliant man it is Um, brilliant top five songs of 1992 what is your fifth favorite song of 92 this is gonna be funny i put this on here because i didn't think we were going to talk about them
0: that that much everything about you by ugly kid joe yeah no it's not Number one, it's a fantastic song. I hope so. Uh number two, I couldn't get the a cappella breakdown out of my head. And then I didn't think we were gonna talk about it much, but I felt like they free your mind? No, never gonna get it. My loving, never gonna oh, get it by yeah, invoke. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Never going to get it, never going to get yeah, it. That, that four-part acapella breakdown, part of that is because I was a choir nerd in high school and I fucking loved what they were doing vocally. I thought it was brilliant. It's amazing. Yeah,
1: My fifth favorite song of 1992, and it wouldn't be on this list if it wasn't for the fact that the unplugged version mm-hmm. might be, and I am comparing this to the unplugs of Alice in Chains and Nirvana and everything, it might be my favorite unplugged song which is Plush. The song's amazing. The lyrics are amazing. That acoustic version is just... F- Dude. It's absurd. I had never knew that I needed an acoustic version of a song more than when I heard Plush for the first time acoustic.
0: That performance of Plush that you're talking about is what made me want to be a vocalist. Oh, I'm that's... Like a front man for a
1: band, for a
0: rock band. I said it before, they were my favorite band of this three to four year era
1: number four for me and we started to talk about it i don't think it's one of the better hip-hop albums of this year but i do think it might be my favorite hip-hop song out of this year and that's what you want by the beastie boys are you boys. Fucking kidding me that's my number four too i no could you not. are you serious
0: <laughs> holy shit <laughs>
1: <laughs> yes the beat to what you want is one it's, of the best beats it is nasty written. man bonch, it's like bonch, lo-fi like, dirty oh Ugh. god and then that guitar kicks in no i know that's amazing that's so awesome <laughs> <laughs> well that was easy that's cool um yeah. what is your number three my
0: number three Another band we've talked about, another band with an amazing debut album this year, Mm. and I could have picked a number of songs off of it. This was the big single. I remember the music video. I I remember it kind of blowing my mind a little bit. And I'm going to talk a little bit more about something else after I say who it is. Freedom by Rage Against Machine.
1: That surprises me. Really? Well, it doesn't. The song
0: or the band? The song. It's always been one of my favorite Rage songs. I love the guitar tone. Fantastic! I don't think I had ever heard anything quite like it. And that was the first Rage song I heard.
1: Oh. So that might be part of it.
0: It's got to be part of it, right? The whole music video, the political aspect of it Mm -hmm. at the time was like very moving and novel to me. Like, here's an interesting thing about him as a lyricist. We talked about the gangster rap stuff from this year, like the West Coast and East Mm -hmm. Coast stuff. Angry hip-hop, like aggressive hip-hop, and then like the Arrested Development, more positive, socially conscious, like uplifting. Zach's lyrics are angry, but socially conscious at the same time. The three-piece backing him that he did, nothing has ever sounded like them and nothing ever will. I mean, people will try, but they don't count. I want to draw a slight parallel Because on that album, different song, it just fascinates me that two huge bands are so interconnected and it's Tool and Rage Against the Machine. Mm. Adam from Tool and Tom
1: went to high school together.
0: It just now
1: clicked in my head. I totally forgot that he's on the album. Maynard's on the album. I completely forgot about that.
0: And Opiate was released this year too. That was another band that was not on my radar at the time at fucking all, but then became huge for me later on. I feel like you can't talk about Rage without
1: talking about Tool. They are very intertwined to me, even though they're so musically different. My number three, which you will love, it's going to be your number one, I'm sure. It is a band I love. And even though I think a lot of their fans think this is their best album, I definitely do not. It's maybe in my top five, but I worship this song. And when it first came out, I had always had this weird fascination with Andy Kaufman, Man on the Moon by R.E.M. Everything about that song it's my number one <laughs> that's your number one right yeah, yeah i absolutely love that song so much a lot of all the best things that rem had going for them are in that song hey i think you're on your number two favorite album well my uh, number song. two
0: Well, how'd we get there uh <laughs> okay my number two big surprise comes from the Faith No More album, Angel Dust, and it is Midlife Crisis.
1: That's probably one of my favorite Faith No More yeah, songs. It's so good. Yeah. You're perfect. Yes, it's true. But without me, you're only you. Yes. Good God. That's such a good line.
0: I love the line. My head is like, lettuce. Going, go and dig your thumbs in. Yeah. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> yeah.
1: A lot of the yeah. God, I really... Um, My number two is from a band with a singer that I've talked a lot about this year. This feels kind of like a culmination for some reason. I hope it's not. And I'm sure we'll talk about the album this comes from down the road someday. The album didn't make it in our top 10. It was in both our top 20s, but there's just too much Mm. good music. And my second favorite song, I Hate to Be That Guy that the most popular one is my favorite, but uh, <laughs> Nearly Lost You by The Screaming uh, Trees. That's one of my favorite songs to come out of this whole era. Just such a good mixture of dirty, yeah, but it's also major, yeah, and it kind of leaves you good feeling, but it's also a little bit dirty, yeah, not so good yep. feeling.
0: Like I flirted with it being on my top five. It made the short list.
1: And now we get to my number one, which it was on my top 20 album-wise, not on yours. I don't know how you feel about Mm. this guy either. This is one of, if not the favorite song of mine of all time. It's kind of been my theme song for most of my life, for good and bad. It is what it is. (laughs) But Going Out West by Tom Waits. Oh, whoa. It could possibly be my favorite song of all time. Like above everything else. Yeah. Wow. Like we're talking man in the box and ramble on and going out West. Really evil. I dare you to go on a drive in the mountains or something Yeah. and maybe go a little too fast (sighs) and roll the windows (laughs) down and crank this song and not feel like a goddamn king of the world. Yeah. Okay. It's so fucking awesome. I will challenge accepted. I will, uh, Just don't, please don't die. It's going to be my fault. Uh, What is your favorite song of 1992?
0: I feel like a broken record. (laughs) If anybody listened to the previous podcast episode, they're going to be like, well, yeah, of course he's going to say that. Um, This is one of my favorite songs of all time. I'm not going to say it goes far as saying it's my favorite like you just did. So I don't want to steal that thunder. That's huge. Mine is The Rooster by Allison Chains. Yeah. It's just one of the best songs that's ever been written.
1: It's funny because when we did Dirt, it was Rachel's, not first experience with that song, but kind of first experience with that album. Yeah. And it's funny because it wasn't really on the top of a lot of my lists because I've lived with that song for so sure. long. yeah. I mm-hmm. think I'm kind of almost numb to it.
0: Yeah, it's easy to overlook
1: it. To hear somebody experiencing it and studying it for the first time, uh, yeah. it's that was exciting. That was really fucking cool.
0: Yeah, it was. It's similar to midlife crisis. Like there, it 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 hit me back then in a way that other music didn't. Yeah, it had a really moving music video tied to it, so there was like a visual aspect to it. Mm-hmm. The story, the performance, everything about it is just agreed like chef's kiss, man. (laughs) Seriously, it really is.
1: Those are our tops. Now we got one more thing. Well, we got two more things to do. The first thing we need to do is we need to tell you all our top 10 albums of 1992. Like I said, we both had a list of 20. There was a ton of stuff on it. And before we get into that, if you had didn't listen to the last year dissection from now on, I'm going to have a listener Chime in, do a little voice recording, send it to me about what their favorite album of that year is. This episode, I asked our good friend Carrie Kirkland. I asked her for a specific reason because I know her musical taste. I know, for those of you that don't know who Carrie is, go back, listen to more of the pod. She was a guest. She's an incredible jazz singer. She's become one of my favorite people that I've gotten to meet through doing this podcast. But she has a very big influence In she loves a lot of the late 80s, early 90s, British crooning, the Manchester rock that was coming out at that time. Mm-hmm. And I didn't think either of us were going to bring a lot of that to the table. So I thought I'd ask her and she did one of the, actually, you know what? I'm not just going to tell you what she said. I'm going to play it for you. That's <laughs> what, <laughs> Jesus. So, We'll be right back. Why don't you hear what Carrie Kirkland's favorite album of '92 was?
2: Hey, verse, chorus, verse. Thank you so much for asking what my favorite album of 1992 was. What a year! My gosh, I listened to so much great music in the '90s and '92. Ooh, what a great year! I had a really hard time narrowing it down, even to top ten. I actually wrote down 34 albums from that year that I loved. I made it down to a top 10, and then I started just getting brutal and whittling it down from there. My top three came out to be Annie Lennox, Diva, at number three, Prince, Love Symbol, at number two. That was really, really close to being number one. But number one for me is a British band called XTC, and the album's called Nonesuch. XTC, not super well-known in the States, very well-known in England where they're from and in Europe. They had been together for 15 years when they wrote this album and prior to this album uh, they did a lot of new wave, a lot of synth pop, kind of quirky dissonant rock, really all over the map which I like because it shows that they're using the full palette of their musical world and painting the full picture of who they are emotionally and musically. The influence of the Beach Boys and the Beatles really shine through on this album in particular. I love that because harmonies are so great and lyrically it's very, very dark over sort of happier major chords and pop chords, which I think is just brilliant because they trick you in the way of thinking that it's a happy song when really the content lyrically is very, very dark. And that speaks to me. I I love that kind of music. Unfortunately, they stopped touring in 1982 because Andy Partridge, who's their lead singer and one of the co-writers, has debilitating stage fright. We won't be able to see them again live, but Listen to their albums. Oranges and Lemons is great. Skylarking is great. Apple Venus is great. I'll leave you with a quote that really kind of sums up for me why I love the band so much. Andy Partridge said, There is no way you can be an original human being. What you do is pull your soul out and find this long piece of string knotted together, and each tiny piece goes toward making up the sum total of your influences. Your originality, if you want to call it that, is in how you unravel your piece of string. To me, that's brilliant. I love XTC, and I hope you like this album too. Thanks again for asking me. What a great challenge! Always a pleasure to be a part of Verse Chorus Verse family. Take care, you guys.
1: Carrie Kirkland. XTC. Evil, are you an XTC fan? I have to say no,
0: not because I dislike them, because I don't know of them very well.
1: They aren't a well-known band. Yeah. I mean, I think like Dear God might be the only song that most Mm -hmm. people had probably heard. One of my favorite songs of all time is Making Plans for Nigel, which is an XTC song, but that was their debut album, which I loved. And that's old, old, old XTC. This Mm -hmm. is kind of newer. I'm really glad that you chose that one, Carrie, because it was not on our radar. Yeah. Yeah. It's good to have
0: another perspective. I also,
1: I like that you brought up uh, Annie Lennox. That was in my top 20. It wasn't in Evils. So I want you to like me more than you like Evil. (laughs) (laughs) But that album, it's not in our top 10. That Diva by Annie Lennox that album was fucking huge.
0: So I brought up a point earlier where I was talking about female artists wouldn't, who wouldn't be viable today for a number of reasons. And I have a list that she's I, in my notes that I glazed over, Annie Lennox was
1: on there. Annie Lennox is amazing. A- absolutely. Fucking amazing. Yeah. She is yeah. an artist's artist. Carrie, thank you so much. I loved that. I loved listening to it. I'm going to make you do so much more stuff on the <laughs> podcast. You have no idea. Now we got to get to R10. This is what we decided was the best. It flip flopped up until oh, man. an hour before we recorded. Yeah. So we're just going to go with it, and you guys yell at us when you see fit. <laughs> <laughs> We've talked about every single one of these, with the exception of maybe not much on one, but we will. Our number ten, which I think speaks a lot to how good it is, because I don't think either of us listened to it a lot before studying for this, but Dry by PJ Harvey.
0: Yeah, I hadn't listened to it at all. Yeah. And like I said, I was like, fucking PJ. Okay, fine. I see it's all on these lists. I'll
1: give it listen to it and like Oh yeah, I completely get it. For this one, that was both of our... Oh, fuck. Yep. Uh, number nine is Bizarre 2 by Side. Mm-hmm. There are two hip-hop albums on this list. I'm sure you know what the other one is now that I've said that. <laughs> but this was kind of the same thing for you and I. I hadn't heard it until half a year ago. And you hadn't heard it until a few weeks ago. And it's, it's just right. a fucking incredible hip-hop album. It is.
0: Very, very, very good.
1: Our number eight is more of an evil pick but i completely agree evil what's our number eight
0: our number eight i lobbied for this you were right to lobby yeah for it. like i said i wasn't a fan of this in 92 but by 94 i certainly was and that is pantera's vulgar display of power
1: it deserves to be on the list it's oh my god in terms of even casual metal fans this is the pantera album those first
0: five songs out of
1: the gate. Like, if you're a
0: metalhead worth your salt, you know all of those songs by heart. And most people know at least
1: one of them. If you hear the first two seconds of Walk, yeah. you know exactly what it yeah. is. And then why don't you give them the number seven as well? Because it, it's it's it your baby. It fucking
0: pains me that this isn't number seven. But I, I, I get it. It's Faith No <laughs> More's Angel Dust. I feel like it should be higher. I
1: think it was your number one or two it, when you yeah. first...
0: Yeah. yeah, I think I came at you like Allison Chains might be number one. This should be number two, <laughs> and if it's not, we're in a fight. <laughs> it's all the way down
1: at what at number six now. Is that a segue into that we're gonna fight? No, <laughs> Is that just, what are saying? I, it's a testament to how good the music from this year was it's crazy leading into our number six which this is one that was not on my list evil had it high on his doing this dissection and getting to listen to this album reminded me how much i fucking love Mm. helmet so our number six is meantime by helmet evil i fucking love helmet
0: yeah especially those those first two albums are so good they're
1: run all the way up until they're on the soundtrack to the crow milk mm-hmm. toast mm-hmm. being on crow holy shit that right. song is good thank you for lobbying for helmet because i'm i'm listening to this album a lot
0: now they were in that list of bands that i felt were tweener bands they're in between a whole bunch of different genres they weren't part of the grunge they weren't part of the 80s hair metal stuff yeah. they're alternative-ish. They're, they don't have a home of their own. And they're very
1: underappreciated. Very. They're so much better than their popularity would suggest. Yes. yes. That brings us to our top five. <sighs> Evil... If you're the only person doing this list, where do you think this would rank? Oh, man. That is... I...
0: I think five is a good place for it. I think it is too. You brought up this point with Rooster. I'm almost numb to this album. Yeah. Because this album and band has been so ubiquitous in my musical listening and taste for so long. I think I just kind of glaze over it. It's Rage Against the Machine's self-titled.
1: I would akin this to kind of what we were talking about earlier, which if somebody initially said to you that Dirt... And Rage Against the Machine's self-titled debut album came out in the same year. Right. I'd be like, no fucking way. Rage was way after Dirt. (laughs) Nope. I have a thing for self-titled
0: debut guitar rock albums. Yeah. Van Halen, Van Halen. Rage Against the Machine, Rage Against the Machine. It fits right in with those.
1: Our number four. And this was all evil. I didn't really want it on the list, but... (laughs) We got to do what we got to do to appease him. Uh, Automatic for the People oh, by R.E.M. God. This is a testament to how... I don't want to say this is an appeasement to people that are listening, but this is not my favorite R.E.M. album. It's probably not in my top three. Evil doesn't give a shit about <laughs> R.E.M. And it's our number four on this list. Right, yeah. yeah. That... Tells you how important R.E.M. is to this era of music. The college rock band. You know,
0: I'm going to soften on them a little bit. I say I hate R.E.M.
1: I think I just, I hate
0: this album, honestly. Oh, really? Yeah, because there's R.E.M. stuff. I like Monster. That's a great album. I like some of their earlier stuff like murmur do you like like orange crush i do, do like, you like orange crush yeah green and i think i just don't like this album
1: i can get hating this album but it also is just it's so fucking massive i know i um <sighs> fuck <laughs> then we go to our number three which this is just a pure talent pick this album is just we've already talked about yep. it I don't plug and I don't try to listen to a ton of music stuff anymore because I always feel like I'm going to steal ideas, but go watch that Rick Beato video of him Mm -hmm. talking about this album. It's Little Earthquakes by Tori Amos. This is a masterclass, absolute masterclass in songwriting. Uh, And and you talk about a one of one artist firing on all cylinders on this album and nobody had done anything like her. I agree.
0: It belongs where it is. For sure.
1: Honestly, it could be higher. This
0: leads us to our top two. I am surprised that this list landed the way it did. I had it in my mind. I knew what number one was gonna be. I, I did kind too. of thought what number two or three would be. I really in my heart I wanted Angel Dust to be up <laughs> in there. I'm actually kind of shocked at how how we sort of sorted this out. I am too,
1: but the bottom line is is between these two albums, only one of them. Completely changed a yeah. genre yeah. forever. Yeah. So, Allison Chains' Dirt is our number two, and Chronic is number one. Yeah. Rap had never seen anything like this, and it completely changed everything. I think we were talking, and I compared it to Zeppelin 1. Yeah. Nobody had done this,
0: yeah. and everybody after was going to do it. I don't disagree with any of that. I mean, I said earlier, I think this is the greatest rap album of all time. That's my opinion. I'm not gonna like it's not a bad opinion. Throw a gauntlet down and, and like get into a fight over that because that could wine. <laughs> <laughs> it's so pivotal. And it was huge at the same time.
1: That's our top ten. Mm. That's it. Let us know what you hate that we didn't have in it. There are a lot of, God, there's so much stuff that we didn't. Sleep was in the list. Arrest Development. Jesus and, and Mary Chain came out with a great album this year. Bad Religion came out with a Peter, Ga- Peter Gabriel. How good is the yeah. music's evil that you right. and I, the fucking Peter Gabriel geeks, did not put us in the top 10?
0: His album, Core, and Dirt all came out on the same fucking day. Oh, my God. <laughs> Right? You know how when we do album breakdowns, you'll find an Amazon review? Yeah. I found it. I don't want to read the whole thing because it was lengthy. But I have a one-star review of the Pavement album from this year.
1: We did not even mention the fucking Pavement album. Well, should I piss off some Pavement fans? Yeah. <laughs> Holy shit. So pavement was in my top 20 it wasn't in evils i'm not a fan of this album and while i know that that's not going to be popular with a lot of the people that listen to this are hipster losers (laughs) which i am one of we love you we are those so we are not making fun of you this is a band that we knew we were going to get some how the fuck is this not in your top 10 right i want to hear shall i I want this
0: wasn't this is a snippet of this review by Music Fan from Milton, posted on May 7th of 2003. On this record, I get the impression that Malkmus and company had a checklist in their heads that detailed all of the things inadmissible as too close to cliche. Classic rock guitar solos, those are out. Danceable rhythms, also out. <laughs> Punk passion, out. Hip-hop libido, out. A-A-B-A-type song structure, definitely out. <laughs> Hummable melody, assuming the band had the capacity to write any, also out. Rhyming lyrics, out. Sensible lyrics, out. Sensible lyrics in the post-Dylan vein, out. Lyrics that were anything other than a string of non-sequiturs or in-jokes to the band, out. Anything that led to conventional coherence and meaning, out. Anything that didn't sound like Marky Smith of the Fall, out. <laughs> Etc. What's left is pure unadulterated gibberish. The record should have sank without a trace, leaving our boys stranded in Stockton playing at a roadhouse. Instead, Hassan is greeted, slanted and enchanted upon its arrival in 1992. Since 15-year-old listeners and 25-year-old critics decide musical taste in America, that's all right. As 15-year-olds are exactly that, and 25-year-old critics get jaded fast and jump upon anything which sounds remotely different. The surprising thing, however, is that this record is still considered one of the best albums of the decade. number five both by the best TV mainstream has led to an acute antipathy toward the essential work aesthetic necessary to produce good music and the utter marginalization of the musical products of those who slave and practice for years to get their craft down.
1: Wow. <laughs>
0: That's the middle part of that review.
1: Find this man and hire him. Right? Yeah, I know. What did he say about Spin Magazine? They said uh, it was the one of the five best albums of the 90s. It was ranked number
0: five by both spin magazine on its top 90 albums of the nineties and by pitchfork on its top 100.
1: Okay. So <laughs> we're going to end it on that note. Look, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm
0: sorry. Payment fans.
1: I- <laughs> 92. What a year. Uh, we're done Dude. with dirt. I will never be done with you dirt, but uh, evil. You got some angel dust love in there. 92. We did it. Carrie. You are amazing. Thank you so much. Evil. It's been real, my man. It has been. Come back next week. Sven and I, we're talking jazz. I'm excited. I love doing those. FirstCourseVerse.com, at First Pod. Everyone, go listen to some music from 1992. It's so good. Good night and good luck. We made it. Oh, I,
2: oh, I, stay right by your side.